Just. Marty, that was very interesting music. Uh, yeah. And now, brought to you by Guru Energy Drinks. Good energy, smart organics. www.guruenergy.com Coming to you live, but not really live, from Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state and Gut Check South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible Belt, it's the Gut Check Podcast with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. Ted Cluck here with Zach Bartles. And uh, Zach, we had a short uh, text exchange last night in which um, you proposed the idea, and I agreed, of uh, of having a a special (laughs) hacking episode. So an episode of the Gut Check Podcast uh, just dedicated to different kinds of hacking, and I thought this was brilliant. And uh, it's like the movie Hackers, only completely it's like movie different. Hackers, but but except more comprehensive because that movie I feel like was only about one kind of hacking, right? You know I mean? Very specific kind of kind of nineties, yeah, um, very specific nineties angsty uh, hacking, yeah, angsty computer like tapping the keys hard. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> well, like, well, the screen somehow projects like a focused image of text on your face in your hipster glasses. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And what we're going to do today, what we're going to endeavor to do, I don't want to assume that we'll uh, successfully do it, is talk <laughs> about some some different kinds of hacking. And uh, I, I want to be clear, I want to be upfront with the audience as to just how we got here. And uh, I'll explain I'll explain that because it, it really ties into um, another topic of ours that's a favorite here on the program, and that's the show Downton Abbey. So uh, watching last night's episode of Downton Abbey, uh, which we both did. Uh, there came a point in the uh, in the episode where, uh, as is often the case, the uh, the Grantham family is gathered uh, in the great hall for dinner. A very formal affair. The men are in tuxedos, women are in in fancy dresses. And, and Neville uh, Chamberlain's there. And Neville Chamberlain is there, which I thought was a really <laughs> a really interesting move. Randomly, and they and they sort of invented a reason for him to be there, which was funny. And then, of but, course, uh, he mentioned, "I don't really necessarily like a good fight." And everyone groaned, but yes. I digress. Go on. That, no, that's right. That's right. That's the thing that happened. And and you you may have Spoilers. noticed in in that scene that uh, Lord Grantham was looking a little bit uncomfortable. And as as we all know, he's been experiencing some stomach pain over the last few episodes, where he's like, Nyeh. yeah. And then he and he grabs his midsection. <laughs> and uh, I think I'm not a doctor, but I think this is related. <laughs> it's, it, <laughs> I think it's related to the stress in some way, Zach. And and I think what's more, uh, <laughs> I think they're going to find a really brilliant way to tie this into the um, just riveting a uh, hospital debate that's been uh, that's been raging throughout this season, um, in which we made fun of uh, in last week's episode, calling it the most boring aspect of the show. Mm. So I think they'll find a way to uh, redeem that storyline. Uh, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So what happened was at dinner. And I, I'm going to just set the table, if you will, um, and then <laughs> and then I'm going to let the table that I set get completely soaked in blood. Yeah, right. So I'm going to let you describe what 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 hacking took place at dinner. So uh, the group is around the table at dinner. Lord Grantham stands up, uh, exclaims that he's going to go upstairs because he's not feeling well. And then Zach, talk us through what happened next. Well, he he didn't even get a chance to fully. Ex- he he gets up because everyone's fighting. Uh-huh. And he says, I'm sorry, I'm afraid I have to. And then he like opened his mouth and just uh, a geyser of blood came 
hacking. He was like <laughs> hacking the blood all over like the the perfect white tablecloth and the uh you know all of everyone's like you know soup bowls and everything and 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 it was one of these things where like it, it takes you so by surprise at first that you're just like what I can't even believe that happened and uh-huh. then instead of just like letting you sit there in your shock they proceeded mm-hmm. to have him continually just vomit up blood for like mm-hmm. the next 30 minutes of the program just just without you know just a close up and mm-hmm. and then he like professed his love to his wife with blood all caked all over his face Mm. And he was like, you know, if this is the end, I love you. And she was like, don't try to talk because it's really gross. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. that that was the hacking that made me think maybe, uh, you know, there, there are a few different hacking-based things kind of converging here. <laughs> We're a show that deals primarily with lashing, but we, uh, <laughs> but we also... We also deal with hacking. And of course we coined the phrase a little while ago, hack lashing, where you, you hack something with lashing materials from Michaels. Oh, interesting, man. Wow. Yeah, we did coin that, didn't we? Dude, it was just, it was so, uh, first of all, I, I think it should be said that this was a great episode. Um, and it was a great episode in the sense that like a lot was happening. You know what I mean? Per my every other episode theory. This yeah, that was does like, hold here. Yeah, this was the lively one. You know what I mean? So we had a little uh, a little tension between Mrs. Patmore and, and Daisy vis-a-vis, um, you know, Mason moving onto the property, which, you know. And your theory uh, was vindicated there. I, I think it was. You saw I that coming, was, man. I saw, yeah, I saw a little, uh, a little chemistry between uh, Mason and Mrs. Patmore, and, and let me be the first to say, I'm really rooting for that, man. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for that one to, uh, uh, to, to happen in a huge way. Hopefully, we'll be celebrating another uh, sort of peasant wedding on. Uh, Although on I don't know if the other peasant wedding is going to last, man. It's on the He's rocks, right? Oh, okay. Oh. There again, that's another. Yeah, there's another, uh, uh, another instance of, uh, of an interesting plot point. Uh, in this week's episode, and and yeah, I didn't see that coming, man. I didn't see Carson being, uh, you know, kind of that uh, demanding around the house. He was kind of hacking at her her inability to to please him with with her. He and really she's was. She's a maid, and he expected that she would be, you know, an ultimate cook, and the, the yeah. knives would all be sharp. And and he was right. very kind of unimpressed. Yeah, and he he was even upset about the plate not being warm. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, <laughs> like people warming the plate before well, you, the food goes on. You got to remember, this guy is is a servant, but most of his life now he's had everyone serving him. He's yeah. been eating the finest food available to mankind. Every yeah. time he walks into a room, uh, everyone stands up. When he's yeah. upstairs, that's not the case. But when he's in his element, he's down in his domain. Everyone stands immediately and does everything he says and tries to please him. And then at home, all of a sudden, you know, I want you to cook me dinner, even yeah. though you work like ninety-five hours a week. Yeah. And, and she she doesn't pull it off to his liking. Oh man, I think I think he's gonna have to. Uh, oh, I'll tell you what. I bet you Rachel Held Evans watched that and was just furious. Mm, I bet. I bet. Because yeah, there were some it, traditional gender roles, for sure, being uh, at least, if, if not espoused by the show, assumed by, by Carson. Yeah, I, who, I, I can't feel like wait is the to, show's conscience. I, uh, right. I can't, I can't wait to see what she tweets. I, I wonder, she's never tweeted about Downton Abbey, though. Oh, she? that's way too provincial for her, man. She's not going to watch a, a show about uh, less enlightened times. Are you kidding me? Well, let me ask you this, though. What do you think she does watch? Hmm, probably Countdown with Keith Olbermann. <laughs> Dude, do you know that? Uh, just brief footnote on Keith Olbermann. Do you know that he used to be a Sports Center anchor? On I did ESPN? know that. Yeah, you know how I knew that from the how? movie um, 
I love you, man. They discussed that a little bit. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, when I was in college, he was like the he he, he was like the the Mister Carson of Sports Center anchors. <laughs> I mean, he was sort of the, the the top of the hierarchy. You know what I mean? And then like Dan Patrick was the Barrow, and uh, uh, Craig Kilborn was was like some some lower one. But wait a minute, uh, Craig Kilborn like from the old old uh, Daily Show. Yes, and he was also happened. a sports anchor. I did not know that. Oh, absolutely. Here's what happened with Craig Kilborn. So he he sort of started the the catchphrase thing, i.e., he started kind of trying to be funny in all of his highlights, and he was funny, um, in part because nobody had ever really been funny doing sports before, and now they all try to do it, and it and it <laughs> sucks. But so Kilborn started to be funny. He started to, you know, build this audience and get popular, and he was like, you know what, I'm leaving. ESPN and Sports Center because I will be a huge star on my own. Mm, and yeah. clearly, you know, that 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 may or may not have worked out for him. Well, I remember uh, when they had that uh like tearful uh bon voyage program for him when he left the Daily Show. Um and every Oh wait, no, that was John Stewart. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So uh so I yeah, I don't know that things uh that things went great for Kilborn, but but we digress. If I wanted to pick a a former sports guy who's become the best comedian out there, you know who I'd go for? Who? Terry Crews. There you go. Not That's only so- that, but he's one of the best action stars out there right now. He's an author, and he's an artist, and Dude, uh, he's just an all-around solid, amazing guy. That guy's the total package, man. And, and he has his his own podcast. Does he really? No, I don't know. <laughs> I just said that because that was a thing that we do, and I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to share like one impressive thing with him. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know, if you look at at uh, my biceps, are about as big as Terry Crews's too. So, you know. Terry Crews is is sort of, and I don't even know if I can say this, but I I, I can because it's my own podcast. <laughs> he's he's sort of like the Black Cliff Graham. You know what I mean? Okay, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, in, in terms of all the diverse interests and the the sort of alpha maleness, etc. That's a good segue, Ted. It kind of is, isn't it? Were we done with Downton Abbey, though? I, I think so. I, I think if we go, we got to go every other episode as well, or we might <laughs> yeah, lose yeah. Uh, 98% of the people who listen to our podcast because they really don't care about what Ms. Patmore true. and Carson are up to. Well, and they're the worst for it. So hopefully we can, <laughs> you know, we can help make them care. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. So, so Cliff Graham, you wanted to talk about uh, our boy Cliff, who we haven't talked about in a while. Who, in the Gut Check Guide to Publishing, has a pullout quote that says, you have to... Make them care. Does he really? Yeah, double segue, dude. That is a that is a fantastic sub, uh, segue, and it's it's a good opportunity to talk about that book, The Gut Check Guide to Publishing, which uh, I think every everybody will want to uh, go to Amazon and and get a copy of, or BarnesandNoble.com. It appeared or, there this past week. There we go. There we go. Either place. I feel like I, it was more charming when we were you know exclusive with that the kind of mom and pop. Uh, yeah. The, the you quaint know little Amazon.com program. We're businessmen, Zach, as well as activists. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I think as Rachel Held Evans has taught us, you have to balance business and activism, and, mm. and that's that's sort of what we're going for here, uh, in terms of letting Barnes and Noble sell our book as well. Now, uh, now let me try a third segue. Okay. And say that uh, Cliff Graham, the connection with hacking, is that probably odds are, sometime this week. He has kind of hacked somebody apart with a sword, yeah. Uh, or at the very least, written a short story or part of a novel in which in which that happens. Probably more likely that, to be honest. 
Actually, you know, I kind of hope that that's, I hope that so that's too. Exists. Yeah, I, I I don't like to think of our friend, you know, hacking actual people, and and if he did, I'm sure they would deserve it. But uh, <laughs> I mean, but it's yeah. one it's one thing to to be hunted or hunt someone for sport, a la hard target, right? But hacking that's that's one step too far. It really is, man. It really is, and Cliff would never do that. So uh, so Cliff, we apologize for even even using that segue, but we had to stay on uh, on message here with the program. <laughs> right. So the question, Ted, is. Uh, and this is a question we've asked before. Okay. Where is Cliff Graham now, and what is he doing? Uh, oh, it, it's yeah. a question we haven't asked in a while, uh, but I want to ask it so that we can just remind people that he wrote a chapter in the Gut Check Guide for Publishing, uh, and, and they should be you know, buying that book and tweeting about it and reviewing it and uh, you know, winning free product from us. You know, that is, that is a great reason to mention it. And I think, Zach, I think, I think Cliff is out in the wild and it's raining. So he's he's sort of being lashed and pelted with rain, and I I think he's fashioned for himself uh, a lean-to, right? So he okay. he's built a little uh, a little shelter from the storm, if you will, and I envision him in that lean-to, um, reading a copy of the Gut Check Guide to Publishing, <laughs> and sort of smiling wistfully to himself, and then occasionally picking up like a a, a moleskin journal and writing. Uh, fresh ideas that have that have been kind of spurred on by the book. Yes, his and muse is being sort of tickled by the book. His muse is being yeah. tickled by both the book and the act of being out in the, in a survival context. And which the lean to, yeah, is a thing that Cliff is into. So I think this is the. I think it's the perfect storm for him. Great book, you know, horrible outdoor scenario to survive. I mean, this this is everything that you that you want if you're Cliff Grant. I, I think that may be accurate, but but my my thought is that it's, it's more likely that uh, Cliff is upside down right now. Okay. Uh, head to toe, all black kind of uh, commando <laughs> gear. Okay. Face painted with sure. with uh, some kind of black grease paint. Okay. Um, and he's just been waiting, just waiting upside down, biding his time. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, there are some some people, terrorists. Some I don't know. There's bad people coming. Uh, and, and Cliff is is listening to an audiobook of the Gut Check Guide to Publishing that he himself had recorded okay. uh, with a soundtrack by Kevin Max. Okay. Uh, and uh, it's just moments from now, the bad uh-huh. guys are actually going to round the corner, and as soon as they've walked past his position, he's going to, on a, a black silk zip cord, slowly <laughs> and silently descend. And okay. then he's going to tap one of them on the shoulder. They're going to turn around, see this guy upside down, grease paint, anger and and then he's they're gonna all they're gonna also buy copies of the gut check guide to publishing <laughs> they're gonna be like hey what are you reading <laughs> that looks interesting <laughs> except that he's not reading it is it he's uh, he's 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 listening they're to gonna it. say hey what are you listening to what are you listening to yeah and he's gonna have yeah and he's gonna say listen you you can't have actually this is just my audio book but you can buy a paper copy right and right. uh you know it brings people together of people who might otherwise have uh you know gone at each other's throats, but but because yeah. of the the harmony and the the power of this book brings people it really, together. It really is a book that brings people together. Baby, can I can I just be honest and say that whenever we play Where's Cliff Graham, yours are always better than mine. Oh, I don't know that that's true. I no, I, I think it's I think it's why you're a, you're a great novelist. Well, and I think oh. maybe it's because I spend more time in my in my real life just kind of thinking about Cliff Graham. And, and reading his books and kind of uh, that's probably true semi stalking him online and via text and Twitter and, the, and these sort of things as well. That's interesting. Have you done that in a while? Have you stalked Cliff? Yeah, yeah, I, how, I have. How, how often do you guys talk? Um, you know, I 
it's funny. I text him more than he texts me. Okay. Which should probably indicate to me that I text him too frequently. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's um, that weird kind of imbalance in a relationship. <laughs> but but I find and, and Ted, do you get a little glum and morose when you when I, you throw I a don't. Text I up? just press. I just press on. I push further forward. You know. No. Here's here's what you tell yourself. You go. You know what? He's probably out in some survival context where he doesn't have reception. Honestly, that is often the case. He'll be like, "Oh, I'm sorry. I was in Nicaragua and I couldn't get your text, but now I'm getting it." Yeah. Okay. And then I and I come back round. Uh huh. Um, but I've got other things to keep me occupied. Uh, you know, okay. hacking wise. So uh, yeah, you know, I I've got things to keep my mind busy. Well, speaking of, why don't you tell us about your hacking? So, well, I've told everybody on this context, uh, or on this, on this podcast, in the context of this podcast, uh, a number of times about my, my campaign, my one man campaign against the ultimate enemy. I mean, yeah, yeah, Cliff Graham is, is fighting enemies on one front, but mm-hmm. I had my sights, my laser sights set on a group of people called Olive Tree Bible. Yeah. Uh, they make software. Now, given their name, they sound like, like nice people. They do sound like nice people. And I, you know, I thought they were nice people. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that, uh, they were looking out for the little guy, uh, because they were trying to put Bibles in everyone's pockets on their devices. Uh huh. But I found that when I was trying to get a hold of a bunch of their software, uh, every once in a while I would just go on their website and download something new for my Palm Pilot, you know, like a, uh-huh. a book by Andrew Murray or something, and I and then I'd read it slowly, and then I'd go get another one, and one day all of it was gone. Can you okay. imagine the nerve, Ted? I I can't imagine the nerve. <laughs> they took it offline, uh, and so I began this this campaign of uh, bothering them via Twitter. Mm-hmm. To try and get them uh, to send me some links, and they said we took it all off our servers. We're sorry, much apologies, we can't. So then I said, how about if just to show that you're the best at customer service, you send me or sell me a mm-hmm. CD-ROM of these files because I know that you didn't burn every vestige of them, right? Uh, and you know, like burn down the building where you were. St- I know they're somewhere, mm-hmm. and they just kept putting me off, putting me off. I tried to get the gut check army to to join up, and I feel like they didn't really have any buy-in because, let's face it, why would they care? Uh-huh. Um, and so a few people wrote some things, but, but I didn't get much traction with them. And then, uh, I, uh, last week, late last week after we recorded, mm-hmm. I decided it was time to put on my, my hipster glasses Okay. and, uh, my flannel Okay. and, uh, to, to get, you know, like, a, like a blind guy who, who deals with <laughs> the computer via like a little braille interface. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and and get online and do some uh, you know 1990s style non hacking hacking. Okay. And uh, I was able to use what's called and this will show you that it wasn't hacking the yeah. Wayback Machine. Okay. Uh, which is on by the way all of our podcasts are hosted on archive.org and uh-huh. archive.org also has this Wayback Machine where they just keep like a record going back points in time of the internet. So okay. you can say you know what did Google look like in. 2002, and you can click on different dates and see, you know, how it evolves over time. Uh-huh. So I went way back in time to 2006 in uh-huh. uh, Olive Tree's archives and found the links to the files that were still on their servers, which was all of them. Mm-hmm. Downloaded them all, and then here's the thing, Ted. This is where I want you to tell me if I went, you know, if I was out of line. Uh-huh. I went on Twitter and I kind of, uh, I kind of trash talked Olive Tree Bible, okay, um, and said. Uh, Let's see, hashtags were all up in your servers, um, <laughs> f- files not deleted, uh, uh-huh. 90s hacking victory, things like that. 
Yeah. Uh, took a victory lap and, and, uh, and they, and they graciously liked all of these things, uh-huh. uh, and, and breathed a sigh of relief that I was now out of their hair. But you know, it didn't have to be like this, Olive Tree. No. It could have been so much easier and, and more kind of pleasant. It didn't have to be adversarial where you were like sneaking into a, a computer lab and, <laughs> you know, at two in the morning and, and kind of furtively firing up a, co- a computer terminal in order to do your, uh, your olive tree related hacking. I wish yeah. it would have been more like that. I wish it would have been a monochrome screen mm-hmm. with one of the keyboards where every key has an individual switch under it, like from the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have been better. Instead, it was like like on my couch with my sad laptop that's like four years old. Yeah. And uh, and and was actually kind of monotonous. Like, oh, another one, another one. But I got them all on my hard drive so that now when I get done with one book, I can, I've got them already. You know what? I prefer to think of it the other way. Yeah, you know what, and that's that's how legendarily it shall go down. In, yeah, in like the in, of in, in in my mind's eye, you have like a thermos of coffee next to you too. Mm. Yes, yes, you're kind absolutely. Of always, you're always kind of furtively like checking the door. Like the the night watchman comes around, and you have to duck beneath the desk for a minute. Yeah, there, there's like some some red flashing lights outside, and I'm down for a second. Yeah. My heart, you can hear my heart. That's yeah. how it's going to be in the gut check coloring book when this is <laughs> immortalized. Absolutely. I love it, baby. Ted, I feel like my description of all that was, mm-hmm. uh, how you say, kind of boring and long. No, no, don't don't talk like that, baby. <laughs> I, I it, it may or may not have been, but I think our our, <laughs> our sort of mind's eye view of, of what it was kind of redeemed it. You yeah, know what I mean? right, right. Yeah, it was a boring thing, but hopefully we were able to give it a little sparkle. It was a boring thing that we made sound epic because that's what we do with our work. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that people are going to find out shortly that we indeed do that with our words when we get a couple of these uh, these chapters. Absolutely. Well, uh, that's a great segue too, baby. We're doing a lot of great radio segues today on the program. Can I throw in and another segue for that? Absolutely. Because please. we're kind of doubling up. Yeah. Which in itself, Ted, is hacking. Because my, my segue was going to be that these days, everything mm-hmm. is hacking. Right? Oh yeah, life, like, hacks, life hacks. Like, yeah, you know, take a shower hacks. at night instead of in the morning. Life hack. Like yeah, right. save time. What? Oh, open open jars by turning counterclockwise. Life hack. You know, like <laughs> yeah, everything's exactly. a hack. So yeah, right. by reading two short chapters pushed together instead of just one short chapter, yeah. boom, it's hacking. It is hacking. It's it's gut check literacy month hacking. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're doing. We're giving people in a sense double the literacy. On this episode, and I so have to they, say, they, Ted, so that, they won't have to do the literacy like the next time. You know what I mean? <laughs> Are we going to skip it the next time? No, probably not. So it becomes a thirty-four week month, is what it is. <laughs> yes, exactly. I have yeah. to say, this first chapter that you wrote uh-huh. for me when we were writing them, this is right shortly after we kicked back into it, started doing it really regularly. Yeah, this is when I was like, oh man, this is getting awesome. Like, I mean, really? the turn that you took that nobody else saw coming. Uh-huh. This was a moment for the book, dude. That's great. I, I, to be honest with you, don't remember a ton about this chapter. So I will, uh, I will hopefully have the same feeling as I read. Nice. Well, let's do this, uh, Zach. We are, uh, as we mentioned, in the midst of Gut Check Literacy Month, and as such, uh, we are reading chapter by chapter, um, ex- expositionally, if you will, through our uh, through our book, Reraptured. And uh, we're on chapter ten today, and we're going to do because they're both short. We're going to do chapters ten and eleven. Uh, so this is chapter 10 called Don't Call Me Josh. Seriously, don't. How about if I do texts and lists? Texts and lists. You got it, baby. All right, here we go. Misty's dormitory room is exactly what you would expect in as much as its walls have posters of the following. 
Jack Black, semi-ironic, Norman Reedus, sex symbol, Ted Strongbow, guy she made out with, <laughs> and Hello Kitty, full-on ironic. <laughs> There's a huge pile of dirty laundry in the corner through which Misty rifles, stopping occasionally to pick up a shirt and smell it to determine how dirty it is or isn't. People think that only guys do this, but Misty does it too. <laughs> Misty is the kind of girl who is always talking about all her, quote, guy friends, which has the intended effect of pissing off the guys in her life, <laughs> but also making them jealous. It also makes the girlfriends, friends who are girls in her life, jealous. However, in her zeal to always be around guys, she has subconsciously taken on some of their grosser qualities. <laughs> Note, she's listening to a Nine Inch Nails record, which she would never listen to in real life, but only listens to when she thinks that guys might be around. <laughs> That right there says a lot about the kinds of issues Misty is dealing with vis-a-vis -vis male attention and her almost toxic need for it. <laughs> she walks to the institutional mirror hung on cinder block and sweeps up her short, dyed black hair, revealing what looks to be a very angry wound on the nape of her neck. Two hours ago, the resident underground tattoo artist, Reed, semi-hot guy with metal stuff hanging off of his nose, who always wears the black trench coats, <laughs> came to her room to implant Ted Strongbow's ASFL.com player fan homing device into her neck. His hands were rougher than she thought they would be, and overall, he was a lot less gentle about it than she would have liked. She cried a little bit and has skipped a class and will skip work to compensate for the discomfort. He tried to make out with her afterward, but she wasn't in the mood, which almost never happens. <laughs> She's a damaged character, man. She is damaged. She's got a lot going on. He's coming over in a few minutes with his laptop to make sure the device is registering properly. She thinks chances are good that she'll be making out with him then. <laughs> this will all, guy, homing device, give her a story to tell and something interesting to post in her Facebook status, which is pretty much her motivation for doing anything, truth be told. She does something, then figures out how to, how to make it sound way more interesting slash romantic for the 429, currently subject to change, friends, <laughs> on her list to either be impressed by or secretly jealous of. Everyone she knows does this too. <laughs> she subconsciously rubs her hand over the bump on her neck, still staring in the mirror. She's not smiling. In two minutes, she will be both smiling and clicking the shutter on her iPhone and then uploading to the folder marked Mobile Uploads. <laughs> that is so dark, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. Wow, I, don't, I don't know where that came from. Section break. Alex Roth is now checking ASFL.com probably 10 times a day. He logs on to add and drop players from his fantasy football team and to check the homing devices of his favorite players to see what they're up to, nutritionally, socially, and otherwise. He subconsciously rubs his beard while doing this and thinks something along the lines of, I don't feel good about myself, <laughs> yet he can't stop it, the compulsive checking. He always checks Ted Strongbow's page, even though he knows because of the text from Kate Russell that Strongbow didn't take the chip. He's still rubbing his beard when he decides to text the following to Russell. The following, which represents the proverbial big step for Roth, who is semi-terrified of most women and only has been dating Misty because she did all of the initiating for him. Roth, dinner tonight to discuss? He freaks out a little. Roth is probably such a Strongbow fan because Strongbow is everything he isn't. Roth's features are all sort of narrow and pinched. <laughs> He has the requisite hipster-slash-lit-guy concave chest, his arms are pipe-cleaner-ish, and his nose even sort of tapers to a point. He weighs maybe a buck fifty, soaking wet. He's phobic when it comes to women, and imagines Strongbow having a strong, clever, 
but always respectful touch with the fairer sex. Which is why it comes as such a surprise to open Strongbow's <laughs> homing device page to find that the quarterback took a nap until 4.45, ate half a Pop-Tart, and is now making out with a guy. <laughs> if Roth were wearing a homing device, it would register shock and disappointment. He packs up his laptop and decides to hustle over to Dynex Lifeway in Vestco Kilometer High Stadium <laughs> to see if he can get a last-minute ticket. <laughs> Section break. Finishing up soft focusy feature interviews always leaves Ted Strongbow a little deflated, truth be told. He loves those things and could have talked for a lot longer. At the end of those interviews, the reporter always asks something like, if you have anything to add, feel free to call my office. In the history of athlete interviews, nobody has ever called the office. <laughs> but today, subconsciously turning the reporter's business card over in the self-same hand that threw an NCAA record 61 touchdowns a year ago, he feels pretty confident that if the rapture doesn't happen tonight, he'll be calling Kate Russell. He tucks the business card behind his officially licensed Under Armour Ted Strongbow model cross wristbands that debuted last year as part of the Freedom in Religion and Sportswear fall line. Section break. Strongbow is sitting in meeting room D7 in subconcourse C of Dynex Lifeway Kilometer High Stadium. Sitting in these pregame chapels is a part of his pregame routine, as it were. There are a handful of other muscular, hormonally enhanced Denver values <laughs> sitting in plastic chairs. Strongbow counts five knees bouncing uncontrollably, two heads bobbing subconsciously. The part-time team chaplain, Rabbi Pastor Yeshua ben Avraham, <laughs> is up front droning on about something having to do with all or one of the following, courage, selflessness, or righteous anger. Strongbow has been sitting through these things, pregame chapels, practically his whole life, and they all have to do with one of those themes. During weeks one through four of the season, Rabbi Pastor Avraham ben Yeshua was called Josh and wore an officially licensed values team polo and khakis to the chapels. Josh majored in Christian education at Taylor University. It was in the media guide booklet, which means he probably spent a lot of time with his shirt off playing frisbee or strumming a guitar under a tree. A lot of the players have had trouble with, this, with the name change, wanting to just shorten it to Abraham or Abe, or in some cases, Ave. <laughs> Football players are always doing this sort of thing, nicknaming, shortening. And in most cases, it implies endearment. It reminds Strongbow of the hubbub that ensued when the Cincinnati docents wide receiver Chad Smith <laughs> changed his name to Chad Mochaccino a couple of years ago. <laughs> Other things about Josh Avraham. He has five children. His oldest is seven and his youngest is three months. He drove a silver Honda Odyssey to the stadium. His favorite author is Tim Van Shrimpy. He is convinced that Ted Strongbow is the Antichrist. Now Avraham always wears some sort of elaborate flowing robe with an elaborate ephod. <laughs> As it turns out, the black robe is perfect for covertly smuggling a Glock 17 9mm pistol past stadium security and into meeting room D7, behind the podium with the King James Bible on it. The gun was purchased at Don's Guns. Slogan, we just love to sell guns. <laughs> in the suburbs. That was a real place in Indiana where I grew up. Don's Guns. <laughs> because he is a man of the cloth, normal regulations and wait times don't apply to Avraham. <laughs> it's amazing what you can get away with. <laughs> Avraham arrived roughly four hours before game time, as he always does, and made pleasant chit-chat with the minimum wage security workers who went ahead and neglected to pat him down because, let's face it, being pleasant is just what you do when you're Rabbi Pastor Avraham, man of the cloth. 
Strongbow feels the cold steel of the weapon pressed against his stubbled, lanterny jaw and wonders what exactly he did to deserve this. <laughs> he hears his African-American teammate shouting in the background and thinks, weirdly, that it sounds just like a rap video. Oh, that is beautiful, man. Oh my gosh, so much going on. Dude, thanks. We are uh, we are having tornado sirens. Oh. So I should probably disconnect. I think I'm supposed to like go to the bottom floor of the building or something. All right, man. We will pick up with the next chapter next week. So our hacking got unhacked. You stay safe, dude. All right, baby. We'll talk to you soon. This has been the Gut Check Podcast, and we will see you next week.